my story is not just for me and my family. My story is for the community. My story is because I don't want, again, any mother, any family, any community to deal with what I deal with on a daily basis of losing my son to COVID when there's other measures out here to help prevent someone to to be in my situation. Welcome to COVID in West Virginia, a podcast series by Quality Insights. In this first episode of this series, we spoke with Lakeisha Barrett-Brown. Lakeisha is a longtime resident of Kanawha County and currently resides in the North Charleston neighborhood of our capital city. She lost her 21-year-old son, Jontavius Omari Brown, in October last year to COVID. Jontavius had stage four kidney disease that was discovered earlier that year and had been awaiting a kidney transplant. Lakeisha spoke with us a few weeks ago to share his story and her own story. Lakeisha, welcome and thank you for sitting down to speak with us. To start, could you please tell us a bit about yourself? Yes, thank you um, again for allowing me this opportunity to share with you all who I am, but more so importantly, who my son was when it comes to um, COVID-19. As stated, my name is Lakeisha Barron Brown. I am the mother of three children, as well as the grandmother of one child. As far as my professions, I've worked in many different aspects of the community, from being a probation officer to working in the mental health field. But I'm, I've become well known, I guess, as being a community advocate. Um, I say that sort of, I guess, slightly because I've always been in the community. Um, however, a lot of times it's been, I call myself a background community advocate because many times people may have not seen my face, but my feet was on the ground assisting and um, doing whatever was necessary for the community. So, um, you know, as we further into this interview, I will be able to state more about how my face has become more public in the community as being a community advocate. But when it comes to myself, I, I find myself to be a humanitarian who's always about giving back to our community and doing what's in the good for all people. Um, and just being, you know, not worried about self, but worried about the better betterment of other people. Right. Could you please tell me about your son? How would you describe his personality and his favorite activities? John Tavis is the, or was the middle child. So oftentimes he desired a lot of attention uh, regardless of where that may have come from, whether that been from home, whether that been out in the community. And when I, I say that, I don't mean that in a negative manner, meaning that John Tavis just had a spirit and a personality that it was hard for anyone not to um, see the good in him. Um, as I describe myself as a humanitarian, John Tavis was like this from a young child. Um, he always wanted to give to other people. He was always a jokester. Um, anytime you would see him, regardless of what your day may have looked like, there's a great possibility by the time the two of them had interacted you were laughing because that's just the type of person John was. Um, he was always about making other people happy, sometimes to, to his own demise. Sometimes he would put himself second and put other people first. Um, so he was a person who just cared about other people and always wanted what was best um, for other people. So again, as I talk about, you know, that middle child syndrome, um, sometimes, you know, it could have drove people crazy, but ultimately at the end of the day, he was that kid, that young adult who always wanted to see other people happy. And if that meant giving them his last dime, the shirt off his back, I think it's fair to say, not just from a mother, but from hearing the words of others um, while he was living and since his passing, that that's who he was. 
I was told that he helped organize a basketball tournament. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. Um, at the start of the pandemic, um, as we know, everyone's lives shifted very drastically. And being that at that time, John was 20, you know, granted, he didn't live in my home, but it was very much understood as a young adult that he was, that it wasn't much that mom can say that sometimes he was like, I'm going to just do my own thing. And so, as we know, at that time, our world shut down very abruptly. Um, we were told to reside, I mean, to stay in the home. John Tavius understood that. But what he also understood is that as the world was saying, stay in the home, he noticed that many people's mental health was suffering. A lot of young people is what he noticed because that's who his, um, that's sort of who he gravitated towards in regards to not just his peers of his age group, but also the betterment of the younger kids in the community. He saw himself as a role model. And so when he noticed that people's mental health was beginning to be affected by um, COVID, he put together a three-on-three basketball tournament called The Jungle. Right at the start of the pandemic, I think we we found out here in West Virginia in March is when everything shut down. By June um, of 2020, he put together the three-on-three basketball tournament at the Second Avenue Center, which is situated um, there on the west side. And during that time, I he had games from well, on, should I say, he had games on Tuesdays and Thursdays. During that time, it was time for the young adults to come out and play. But more more importantly, he made sure the youth were out there. And his thing was, Mom, as I understand, again, that the world has shut down, I want to be able to give someone an opportunity to have some hope when they feel hopeless. So, again, as people were out in the community and they were out in abundance at the Second Avenue Center, consciously, he still made sure to provide masks for those that were in attendance during that time. What was the experience of the pandemic like for you in those early days? Um, In those early days, it was, I mean, I think like anybody, you know, I think all of us probably had some similarities in reference to how we describe just the abruptness of our lives stopping. Um, So as it was a shock, I wasn't prepared for it. It did allow me as a mother to have a greater insight of myself and as a parent, because at that time I had a daughter that was finishing up her last semester of college at Marshall University. At that time, she was residing in Huntington. But when the pandemic happened, my daughter moved home, um, had not been here in close to four years. Um, So at that time, I had my kids in my home with me. It felt like what it did when they all lived at home. Granted, John was not living here, but he came by the home pretty frequently, you know, not just to see myself or his younger brother, but also his sister. So again, you know, I, I think as a family, we adjusted, even though sometimes it felt uncomfortable because we couldn't do other things. But inside the home, it allowed us to have a bond that we had not had in a while, but probably didn't appreciate as well because we were so much living our lives, you know, whether it be work, whether it had been school, whether it just been normal day to day activities. But as the pandemic, you know, again, was um, was sort of scary it also had a benefits for my family because we were able to come together in, inside of our home and love on each other um, during that time that, you know, was sort of scary, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Was uh, John Tavius working at the time during the pandemic? So, yes. Um, let me get my dates here together. Yes, John Tavius was working um, at the time um, because he was, as he was working, he was also awaiting the arrival of his firstborn child, um, that was born in July of 2020. Oh my goodness. When you said you were a grandmother, I didn't realize it was John Tavius's kid. Yes. How has that been? Um, becoming you, a grandmother and losing your son. Um, I mean, obviously 
you know, there's not a day that goes by that I don't miss or, or want my son here. Um, there's nothing or, or no one that can replace my son. Mm-hmm. However, having the opportunity to be in his son's life on a regular basis, that does fill some of the void because A, my, my grandson is named after his father. Um, my grandson has very much, um, very similar characteristics to that of his father. So again, it just brings that sense of bond that my son and I had when he was younger, but also it gives me an opportunity to look into my grandson's eyes to know that he is still a part of my son physically, even though, I mean, you know, um, yeah, physically, I should say, biologically, it's probably the better word. But I know that my son's not physically here, but he allows me to have that greater insight or connection with my son, um, even though my son is not presently in the home um, because of COVID. So your son was becoming, John Tavius was becoming a father and organizing basketball tournaments and sounds like he was doing a lot at the time. Yes. Um, and, you know, even though I say he was, you know, um, organizing a basketball tournament, as I made mention of, you know, his involvement in the community, he also was a coach for a local AAU team um, for high school young men. His belief was that we have a lot of talent here in West Virginia, and he felt that he wanted them to be exposed outside of West Virginia so other people would know the greatness that that is situated here in the state of West Virginia and, you know, specifically here in the Charleston area. So, I don't want to say he spread himself thin. He spread himself to the point of being impactful for the community. Did he? So did he? I assume he loved basketball. Did he play for school? Um, He did play some for school. Um, More so much of his time of playing basketball was for local AAU um, teams as well. Um, He played in middle school. He played a little bit in high school, but much of his basketball experience came from um, AAU teams. At what stage of the pandemic did your son start to feel sick? And I'm assuming this is sick before he got the coronavirus, correct? He was already having other health problems before then? That's correct. Um, January the 18th of 2021, um, John Tavius began to complain about headaches. Ironically, um, that night, he called me and said that he was having a headache and wanted to know if I would take him to the emergency room because he, at that time, was afraid that he had COVID. And um, I explained to him just based upon his, his symptoms, based upon how high the numbers were here in West Virginia, that I wasn't sure and or safe, think it was safe to take him to the ER that late at night to be tested for um, COVID. And so as he began to further explain his symptoms, we then got on the phone and called one of my friends who was a R- who is a RN that works in the emergency room and allowed for her to hear what was going on. And per her instructions, we just didn't think it was necessary at that time to take John to the ER. However, we gave, I gave him medication to treat his headaches. Fast forward a few other few weeks thereafter, he continuously complained about headaches. And then on February the 8th of 2021, um, I finally encouraged him to get his, to come to my home for me to check his blood pressure at that time. The um, the reading on the blood pressure machine was very elevated to the point that John was at stroke level. So I had no choice but to rush into the hospital. Um, at that On that day is when we learned that there were some concerns with his kidney function based upon the numbers. By the following day is when we learned um, that there was some concern, whether it be from, they didn't know if this blood pressure was causing the kidney issues or the kidney issues was causing the blood pressure issues. Um, after having a biopsy, a kidney biopsy done, we learned shortly thereafter that 
John had kidney issues that he was in stage four kidney, he had stage four kidney disease. Um, the first time we'd ever heard or that he's ever had any difficulty with his kidneys. And so that's what started his journey of frequent hospitalizations and frequent doc doctor visits. And then your son got the virus. And based on the timeline, I know that this was at a time when vaccines were starting to come out, but they were really hard to come by. I, I don't remember them being really easy to access until the spring. Were you and John Tavius hoping to get vaccinated at that time, or were you not able to get them, or was it not a good time based on the other health problems he was having? So I want to make sure I answer your questions correctly based upon our family's timeline of his illness. Mm -hmm. um, like I stated, you know, when he first went to the hospital in February, there were many times thereafter that he had to be admitted into the hospital because of his illness. Mm -hmm. um, after meeting with the kidney, the transplant specialist at CAMC, um, we learned that one of their policies, well, I shouldn't say policies, one of their recommendations was that in order for John to receive a kidney, he would have to be vaccinated. At that time, it was a recommendation. By the time August and September had come, it then became a requirement um, for him to be vaccinated um, in order to be to remain on the list as an eligible candidate for his kidney transplant. Unfortunately, in September of 2021, um, John called in the middle of the night, maybe about 3 a.m. on September 13th, stating that he had an inability to move. There was a, he had inability of movement, um, and I had to go rush and pick him up. He could not move, and he was rushed back to the ER. Um, unfortunately, John Tavius did not have the opportunity to get vaccinated, even though when he went to the hospital, he asked for a vaccine, um, but he wasn't permitted to be vaccinated there in the hospital. Um, initially, we weren't concerned because his other hospitals, hospitalizations, he was normally not in the hospital longer than a week, maybe 10 to 12 days total, I think it was one of his hospitalizations. So we really weren't too concerned that he wasn't able to get the vaccine in the hospital. However, there was concern that he was not going to be able to get his kidney should one had come into the hospital. Um, unfortunately, his stay was much longer than what any of us had anticipated. Um, so being that be the case, he wasn't able to get vaccinated. Um, however, as far as myself, prior to us meeting the transplant doctor, um, I was not in the state of my life, I was ready to receive the vaccination, some based upon fear, um, some based upon just unawareness. You know, I didn't, had, done, had not educated myself enough on the vaccine for myself. Um, but after meeting with the transplant doctor, learning that anyone who wished to be tested for a match would have to be vaccinated, that was my time at that point that I realized it wasn't about me. At that point, it was about saving my son's life. Um, so again, once meeting with the, the kidney specialist, the transplant specialist, I immediately got vaccinated, which I got my first dose in August of 2021 and received my second dose, um, actually the day after John was hospitalized in September. So my second dose was September the 14th and have since been boosted thereafter. So he was in the hospital starting, can you say that again, September? Yes, he was admitted into the hospital on September 13th, 2021. Did he stay in the hospital after that? Yes. Okay. Was he sick with the coronavirus at the time he was admitted to the hospital or did he get it after he was already admitted? Um, he, he, um, I'm sorry. 
Thank you. Um, he contracted COVID in the hospital in October. On October the 15th, he tested positive for COVID. Thank you for speaking with me about this. I know this must be hard. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it allows awareness for other people. So that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. How much longer did he live after that? Um, he passed on October the 26th of 2021. I'm very sorry. That's okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Since losing your son, what has this experience been like for you and your family and your friends after that? Um, I, I guess one thing I would say is I wouldn't wish this on anyone. I wouldn't wish this definitely on any mother. Um, that's why I've taken a stance that, you know, since the past of my son, two weeks post his, his funeral or two weeks post his death, should I say, um, I held a food drive, a food giveaway in his honor, but I immediately began um, collaborating with a local organization, which is PAC here in the community um, to do COVID vaccines and COVID testing. Um, And because I then became an advocate again, one, because I don't want any mother or any loved one and or community to be faced with what I, what I live every day. Um, And it wasn't just about the whole, it was about the whole community, but specifically young people. Um, I had a 21 year old son who initially was against the vaccine. I'm going to be honest with you um, because of age and because of unawareness of, you know, just, just fear, I should say. And then as it became more serious to him about his illness, he then realized the importance of getting vaccinated. And so knowing that I had a 21 year old son to pass, I know that there were other young people, some being his friends that was here in the community community that also um, had fear and still do have fear. So as an advocate now for encouraging others to get vaccinated, I do that on the strength of losing my son. Um, That doesn't mean I'm strong in any nature. That just means that I have a purpose. And my purpose is to try to save someone else's life and try to educate people. As I do know, people still have fear as I do know, people still have some reservations because of COVID has not went anywhere, you know? So there's many, you know, there's a lot of talk in the communities, uh, you know, in this particular community about different things regarding the vaccine. But what I do know is that, you know, um, vaccines have saved lives. What I do know for my own personal testimony that I was unaware that my son was positive for COVID. And I was around my son October the 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, and 15th. I'm sorry, 11th, October the 11th, 13th, 14th, and 15th in his hospital room. Never did I know he was positive for COVID. And I I stand very strong in my belief, um, in my understanding that probably had I not been vaccinated, I too would have been positive for COVID. But I was not. And and I say that um, when I talk about sitting around him, I didn't have a mask on many days in that time frame. I just gave you in his room. So we're in a very small room. And so, again, my, my story is not just for me and my family. My story is for the community. My story is because I don't want, again, any mother, any family, any community to deal with what I deal with on a daily basis of losing my son to COVID when there's other measures out here to help prevent someone to, to be in my situation. What are some of the concerns you commonly hear from people? I think, you know, some of the more regular concerns I hear now is that, you know, 
why should I get vaccinated when vaccinated people are still getting COVID? I think that is very common. I think that's some of the, when you hear conversation, I think that's more the, the more common conversations to be had. And as I respect everyone's opinion, and I, I believe that in order to educate, you must always be able to and be willing to listen to people's concerns. And I do listen. And I try to listen with an unbiased ear. But then my response to them is that, yes, this person may have caught COVID since being vaccinated, but the person still is able to live and tell their story. Um, so that's, you know, I, I, again, I try not to minimize anyone's fear or concern when it comes to COVID-19 or the vaccine. But again, what I reassure them is that those who have caught COVID since being vaccinated, they're still living to tell their story. Yeah. I was wondering if you could share anything you've been doing to honor John Tavius's legacy. You did tell us a bit about that. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Yes. So I have, as I stated, I shortly after John Tavius passed, I did a food giveaway on the Charleston West side in his honor. Um, again, I partnered with Pat to do COVID vaccines and um, COVID testing. I've actually had a documentary recorded where myself, a community leader and a RN um, recorded a documentary solely about COVID. It does pertain to John's life, but it's more so an educational tool to try to encourage people to get vaccinated. And also just as recent as July the 3rd, 2022, I, um, I actually did the jungle which was a three-on-three tournament because that was something that I vowed to my son as he was transitioning that myself and my family would keep the jungle going. And so I have, um, as I stated, I was able to do that on July the 3rd, 2023. From that, I have also established a um, John Tavius Omari Brown donor advice fund that is being over, um, that's being, I'm sorry, I've created a John Tavius Omari Brown donor advice fund is at the Greater Canal Valley Foundation. Um, the premise of that fund, once it is fully endowed, is to be able to give back to organizations within the community that solely focus on youth initiatives and that sort of follows the mission and the life of John Tavius. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Anything that I didn't ask? I don't. I don't believe so. I mean, I'm going to always, you know, encourage people to get vaccinated, even in the midst of fear, do some more education. Again, as a mother, as a community person, I don't, I, I, I wouldn't wish this pain on anyone. I wouldn't want anyone to live the life that I had to live daily, knowing that as my son may have had a kidney disease and, and it was an underlying condition, um, my son passed of COVID. My son didn't pass of his kidney disease. And I, again, I wouldn't want this story to be anyone else's. Since his passing, um, I've been able to, to, put together a, a slogan um, to job well done, which stands for um, John Tavius Omari Brown um, and job well done because I feel that while he lived, um, he did well to serve his community. So because of that, I have picked up the baton um, to continue running his race and making sure that his name continues to live positively in the um Canal County area, but specifically West Virginia and outside of West Virginia as well. So thank you for this opportunity. Lakeisha, thank you so much for sharing your story and for sharing John Tavius's story. Thank you.
This podcast was produced by Quality Insights for Project WAVE, West Virginians advocating for vaccination empowerment. WAVE is funded through the West Virginia Department of Health and Human Resources Bureau for Public Health. Learn more at qualityinsights.org slash wave. The music in this episode is Paper Feather by Blue Dot Sessions. <laughs>